Hey, I have just a quick thought that I want to frame some of our thoughts on baptism today. And uh, if you've ever spent any time in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15 is just a phenomenal chapter. Luke chapter 15, you can turn there with me if you want to. I'm going to just highlight a, a thought. And this thought is going to, it's going to frame the morning. It's going to frame our teaching on baptism. But in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is actually speaking. His audience is uh, to a couple of religious people. Verse 1 says, now the tax collectors, and I love how it puts it in quotations, the sinners, the sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees, these are the religious leaders, these are the religious teachers. It says the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they muttered, they complained, they were bothered. They were a little agitated by the fact that the sinners were getting some special time with, with the teacher. And probably more so that they were a little agitated that the sinners weren't probably spending any time around them. And so they said, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. And the implication there is he shouldn't be doing that. He shouldn't be spending time with these sinners. You should be spending time with the religious people or the clean people or the the good people. So then Jesus tells three very quick stories. He tells a story about a shepherd who lost a sheep. He tells a story about a woman who lost a coin, and then he tells a story about a a father who loses a son, a son who leaves the house of his father. Three stories, bam, 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 really quick. And here's something that I think is so profound in all of these stories. Let me just read this. Luke 15, verse 3, Jesus told them this parable. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. He calls his friends and his neighbors and he says, rejoice with me. Take a look here at this lady. She loses a coin. She frantically searches throughout the whole house. Kids, you guys ever lost anything that's really important? And then like you're just searching through all of those toys that are not organized and underneath the covers of your bed that's not made up and through all of the stuffed animals that are just all over the place and the clothes until you find that thing that you lost. That's this lady. But then look what happens. When she finds it, verse 9, she calls her friends and her neighbors. Never saw this before. Man loses a sheep, finds a sheep, calls his friends and his neighbors. Rejoice with me. Somebody share in this celebratory moment that there was something that was valuable that was lost. And now I found it. Rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. Pre-Facebook. Pre-Twitter. Pre-Snapchat. Pre-Instagram. Because y'all know that y'all be putting your stuff up on there. Everybody rejoice with me. How many likes? This is, this is, that's what's going on here. That's what's going on here. I'm going to get a thousand likes when everybody finds this sheep that I found. Searches the house, finds a coin, and then calls her friends and neighbors 
together. Come to the house. I found a coin. That must be some coin. In the same way, Jesus says, I tell you, there's rejoicing in heaven. Think about that. Here's these stories. I'm looking, I'm searching. I found what was valuable. It is restored to me. Everybody come and rejoice. This is a happy moment. He says, that's what happens in heaven. When one person is found. Here's the father, loses his son. Son runs away, just gives himself over to sin. Gives himself over to just lewdness. And then he comes to his senses comes back home. There's a spirit of repentance in his heart. What does the father do? Doesn't rebuke him. Doesn't rebuke him. I got to learn from that. Doesn't rebuke him. What does he do? Calls his friends and his neighbors. Rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. This is a happy moment. This is a time of celebration. This is a time of excitement. This is a time where something that was valuable, that was lost, is now found. It's not a time for sulking. It's not a time for pouting. It's not a time for selfishness. It's not a time for grumbling. It's not a time for complaining. It's a time for celebrating because something that was lost is found. Never saw it before, but I tell you, there's something hidden in that. Guys, I tell you, I don't think we place enough value and celebration and excitement and exuberance and just hilarity. I don't think we place enough just all-out craziness over the fact that someone's heart made a decision. I don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think, I don't know if we understand how, how God's heart is so bursting. I, th- I think that there's something in our, in our mind that's missing that. But here, Jesus is telling us, every time someone who is distant, every time someone whose heart is lost is found, all of heaven's throwing a party. Yeah, that's right. Hey, and I've been to some parties. Three in a row yesterday. <laughs> and they were great parties. They were awesome parties. But I tell you, I think the party in heaven, when someone's heart changes, it's a celebration. So today, during our time of baptism, you know what happens? We get to celebrate as a family. We get to celebrate. Don't make this a lame party today. Because parties are lame if people don't show up, and parties are lame if people don't get excited. They're just dumb. Like, let's go home. This party is boring. Not today. Today's going to be an awesome, awesome time. Hey, let me give you a couple of thoughts about baptism. Can I do that? We've been on a series forever on the Lord's Prayer, and there's a line in the Lord's Prayer that says, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So we've been talking about what does that mean when we say thy kingdom come? What do we mean when we say that? How can we pray into God's kingdom coming with better understanding and with better faith? 
So today, very simply, we're going to talk about baptism, but we're going to frame this with this understanding. The kingdom doesn't grow if there aren't more people that are coming into the kingdom. Right? It's a kingdom that dies. It's a shrinking country. Okay? The way our kingdom grows is when people's hearts come alive to the reality and the revelation of how great our God is. He's a good father. He's a glorious king. He's worthy. He's laid down his life to bring us into fellowship and relationship with him. And when that truth explodes in people's hearts, man, the kingdom has grown. The kingdom has advanced. And baptism is one of the great demonstrations of people's decision to be in the family. So if you have your Bibles, let's go through a couple of very quick thoughts. Matthew chapter 3, if you would turn there with me. And I'm taking just straight from the baptism curriculum that Pastor Dan has designed. I am, I am going to just bite off of everything that he has written down as a 90s term. I'm going to plagiarize his <laughs> baptism teachings. Matthew chapter 3 verse 13 says, wait till you guys get there. Matthew 3 13, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? I would do the exact same thing. Nope. You're going to baptize me today, Jesus. And Jesus replied, let it be so now, for it is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. So John consented. I think it's interesting that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man, completely perfect, sinless from birth, found it proper and appropriate to be baptized. Something about baptism that the Lord has instituted, it's not just, it's not just for those who are confessing their sins. It's not just to get clean. It's not just an outward demonstration of an inner reality. It is something here that God has designed. It's something that he's designed. Here's a couple of things baptism is not. It's not just a religious activity. It's not. It can be, but it's not, right? It's not just something that we do because other people are doing it or because a church mandates it. Okay. Baptism is not something that we participate in in order to gain salvation. That is not our position here. That is not the biblical position. We do not mandate that people get baptized in order, to, in order that they be saved. What baptism is, very simply, it comes from a Greek word called baptizo. It's a verb in the Greek. And it means very simply to dip something Repeatedly, to immerse something, to submerge something. And now I think about the line of our song today, you split the seas so that I could walk right through it and you drown my fear. My fears are drowned. It's a picture of baptism. The old man, that old sinful man, that old dominating force, that thing inside of us that Paul says, when I want to do right, there's something inside of me that always 
chooses to do wrong. What is that? That's that evil, wicked, sinful, rebellious man inside of me. And God's like, I, gotta, I, gotta, I got something for that. I'm going to drown him. I'm going to drown that old dead man so that this new man of your spirit, which is my spirit inside of you, can emerge and live victorious and powerful and clean. Baptism. Baptism is not just a sacrament of the church. Baptism is a supernatural encounter. And here's, here's, here's how you distinguish the two. When you participate, and all of you guys who are being baptized today, you guys need to listen to this, because when you get into this water, here's what I want to have. I want you to step into this water with a faith and an expectation there is going to be something supernatural that happens in the water. And we're going to play Carrie Underwood's song. I'm just kidding. (laughs) There must be something in the water. There is something in the water. It's called the Holy Ghost. Darn right there's something in the water. In the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says that the earth was formless and void like our lives. Chaotic. It says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God's hovering over these literal waters today. I believe it with all my heart. And when we partner our faith and we say, Holy Spirit, there is a dimension in the Christian life that is available in baptism. I'm going to get everybody who's been baptized before. Y'all going to want to get baptized today. Y'all going to be, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to go home wet. Didn't bring a towel. Didn't bring a bathing suit. Because there is a supernatural force that happens when we choose to partner with it in baptism. It is not a token religious ritual. I promise you. And Jesus says, I want some of that. It is appropriate and it is righteous and it is right and it is fitting for me to do this. John, you got to let me do it. All right, a couple of things, very, very quickly. Three quick words. What's the purpose of baptism? Why should we even do this? Three very simple words. Number one, obedience. Obedience. You know why, you know why we should get, get, get baptized? Because Jesus commanded us to. Because Jesus himself gave us the model and the example. Jesus himself was baptized. He gave us the example. Baptism is a picture of submission. You can't be baptized and stay in control. You can't, can't do it. Can't do it. Because if you, if, if you resist, you ain't going to be baptized. You've got to submit. You've got to let go. You've got to humble yourself. You've got to trust that the person that's going to put you into those waters is going to bring you back up. I'll baptize you in the name of God. Okay, come on. I'm trusting you. You sick, man. That's crazy. God's going to hold us down just long enough till that sin man dies. And he's going to resurrect us. Resurrect us. Resurrect our spirit man with life and with power and victory. We obey the command 
of baptism because in so doing, we are saying, Jesus, I yield. I'm yours. You have my life. You have my all. When Jesus was crucified and resurrected from the dead, he came back and he told his disciples this. He says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go. This is found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. And this is what he says to them. He says, go and make disciples. Three commands. Go, make disciples, and then baptize them. Baptize them. Number two, why do we get baptized? Why do we obey this command? What is the purpose of this? Number one, it's just very simply obedience. Number two, it's repentance. It is a powerful picture. It is a visible demonstration of us saying, I am sorry. I repent. I was wrong. The life that I lived against you, the life that I lived in rebellion to you, I was wrong. I own it. I was wrong. Look at this, if you would, in Luke chapter 3. This is a more extended version of when John the Baptist was coming into the Jordan and he was baptizing people. And it says here in verse 7 of Luke chapter 3, it says, John said to the crowds that were coming out to be baptized by him. Don't miss this. He spoke to people that were coming to be baptized. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So here's people who are coming out to be baptized, and John rebukes them because baptism is a tangible form of repentance. And they were just treating it, they were just treating it as something to do. They weren't, they weren't treating it as an opportunity for their hearts to truly repent. So all of you guys that are coming down here today, when you get in this, this water in your heart, or maybe even just a physical demonstration, say, I repent of my sin. I repent of my lawlessness. I repent of my disobedience. I repent of choosing my own way of life and living, and I submit to your way. I choose the Father's way. That's what John is saying here, you guys. When you get baptized, you are making the choice to say, God, I want to think differently. I want to think differently. Things that I've enjoyed, things that I've engaged with, things that I've used to serve my life, things that don't please the heart of God. I want to think differently about those things. I want to choose the Father's way. Third word here, very simply, is the word witness. What's the first word? Obedience. What's the second word? Repentance. Third, re third reason why we get baptized, it's a witness. It is a powerful witness. When we get baptized, we are announcing to the world, I now belong to Christ. That's, what, that's what's happening. You guys, when you come down into the water today, you're going you're gonna to stand up and what you're saying to all of these witnesses, you're saying, my life is no longer my own. I'm going to try to talk you guys out of it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My life does not belong to me. I am in Christ. My life belongs completely to him. I identify with him. There's actually a great teaching that we had at the beginning of the series eons ago 
about the fact that when we say that God is our Father, we are saying that we are in Christ. And when we are in Christ, all of the reality of being in Christ now is ours. We are forgiven. We are sons. We are daughters. We are new creatures. All of the reality of in Christ, we are announcing, belongs to us. But baptism is not just a personal it's not just a personal event. It's not just a personal activity. It is a family event. It is a family event. It is designed to be done in public. It is designed for witnesses to celebrate. It is designed for the confirmation and the affirmation of the community of faith, the family of believers to say, there it is. We have another that has identified with Jesus and our family is growing. So much so, guys, that there are people, and I read it just this morning on Voice of the Martyrs, there are people that are in India, Pakistan, China, that are getting thrown into prison because they're baptizing people. Hey, if there was no power in baptism, if there, was, if there was no public power in baptism, why is everybody so bothered that people are coming out of Islam and coming into Christianity? You're just, you're just going into the water, no big deal. No, they know, they know there is something that's going on here. When those guys go into the water and they come out of the water, they are publicly declaring, we have changed sides. We are not in Egypt any longer. We have crossed the Red Sea. The horse and the rider God has destroyed it. He has thrown down. He has hurled down. He has demolished his enemies. He has flexed his power. He has opened up the powers of the water. And he has drowned sin and death by the power of God. All of this made available. All of this made possible through the blood of Jesus. But you know what happens? Here's what's happening. Not only are you making a personal declaration, you're saying, I now have a family. That's what you're saying. Look at, these, look at these quick thoughts right here. Number one, you are saying, I'm no longer a slave. I'm a child of God. Number two, you're saying, I'm no longer an orphan. I belong to a family. That is awesome. That is what happens when we get baptized. You are making a declaration to yourself, to the spirit world, to the heavens, and to the community of witnesses, I'm no longer a slave. I'm a deeply beloved, beautifully accepted child of God. And I'm no longer an outsider. I'm no longer someone who's longing to sit at the table. I am in the family. And that, my friends is a beautiful thing. Let me just read this one passage of scripture here, maybe two. Galatians chapter three. Galatians chapter three, verse 26 says, so in Christ Jesus. Galatians three twenty-six. In Christ Jesus, you are all sons and daughters of God. For all of you were baptized into Christ and you've clothed yourselves with Christ. Isn't that amazing? You are all sons and daughters through that public declaration.